and welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. I am your host, Nick Kush, and uh, joining me this time is fellow Skinamarink enthusiast, Spencer Henderson. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, Skinamarink's still holding strong at that top of the 2023 rankings for me, so. Me too. Honestly, maybe the new format of this podcast journey we're on together is just to derail it immediately by talking about another movie that just came out yeah. i feel like that's a good avenue for us yeah, um, yeah skin and rink's a banger uh hopefully we're going to talk about a few bangers here today on the podcast if i can segue yeah. um but yeah this time on the podcast because we figured you know m night shyamalan has got a new movie out knock at the cabin and we figured this would be a great opportunity to kind of just go throughout the entire guy's career he's I generally consider him one of the like the most fascinating contemporary filmmakers that we have. He's made a lot of bangers, as I said, a lot of horrible, horrible pieces of shit. <laughs> so um, he's a, he is a fascinating guy. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll see if that's the case later on. But he is a fascinating guy, and we kind of wanted to just talk about him, all the ins and outs of his career. You know, your 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 multiple senses, your ladies and water, and kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it all with him. So I guess, Spencer, I'll turn it to you. When you kind of like, what are your overall impressions of M. Night Shyamalan as a filmmaker? How do you feel about him day-to-day? Is he on your mind a well, lot? What's the well, deal Nick, here? first of all, first of all, you derailed me with your skinamarink thing because I was going to start <laughs> off by saying, don't hold my daughter's hand unless you mean it. <laughs> Which is one of the great M. Night lines, of course. Uh no so nick what year were you born oh i was 95 so okay I'm up so there we're now. the same age we're both we're both 95 are we the same age i didn't realize um, that oh, good for us <laughs> yeah yeah i love that for us <laughs> so um <laughs> i don't know how it was because you're from a different part of america than i am but m night Shyamalan was honestly one of the first filmmakers that i remember being like a household name uh, in mm-hmm. in the part of the country I'm from, which is Colorado, um, I like vividly remember um, being in elementary school and hearing buzz about how scary Signs was from my peers and my classmates. Um, and then you know it got to the point where I was like a young part of that group who recognized his name when it came up on stuff. Um, yeah, so. I I've been an M Night Shyamalan defender for a while, and then kind of in my teens, I I kind of like got all angsty and angry at everything, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, M Night's gotten lame now." And in my in my now twenties, I suppose I've kind of started to turn around on some of the movies that I didn't really appreciate at the time, and have started to like them a little bit more. So it's weird because I feel like as M. Night Shyamalan has evolved as a filmmaker, I've evolved as a viewer of his uh, in an interesting way. So that's kind of my my base level of where I'm at with M. Night Shyamalan. Right yeah, now. you say, you know, we're from different areas of the country. And I feel like for me, that's even intensified because he's from right near me. You know, we're both Philly guys. I've been to a few yep. Sixers games in my lifetime and he's sitting there uh, front right like first row right just hanging out when he's not filming his 10 movies he has planned that's like, like the big thing about him he's like <laughs> ridiculously prolific at this point um but yeah he's he was a big deal as far as i can remember yeah you're right he's kind of one of those 
guys that he really did make a name for himself, which is honestly just super impressive when you consider the landscape of mostly white men, you know, in, in movies kind of dominating the industry. And he's an Indian American who really made a name for himself like immediately. So it was really impressive, but yeah, I feel the same way with you where, you know, everyone has like, I guess like the stereotypical view of him is like, Oh, his first couple movies were great. And then it fell off a cliff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and as I was kind of building out my, I guess, love for movies or my taste, I think I definitely fell into that without even probably seeing most of them. I think there was a couple in here of like in the middle, I guess the like little bad period here where I didn't see a lot of these movies. And I just assumed like, oh, these are terrible because people are calling them terrible. Uh, some of them are, and we'll get to those. Um, but he is consistently fascinating. He is, whenever his movies are not good there are something peeking in there that i find really interesting um and very singular you know he is he's kind of a he's a really a really corny guy you know when you kind of get into the themes yes. of his, his movies he's super corny yes he's super earnest and he really means it and when you get to things like i'll spoil a little bit but like lady in the water like that is one of the most earnest movies ever but it's hilariously yep. bad shit it is crazy um, then you go something like Signs, which is also very earnest, but it works so well, and the story is a lot more, I guess, streamlined that it just kind of just rips your heart out in a good way. Um, so yeah, he's it, there's these really interesting recurring themes I've seen in his movies, kind of just like we're watching a bunch of these where um, there's a lot of post 9/11 panic and paranoia that infuses a lot of his movies, um, starting with Signs or after 9/11. Um, yeah, he's just a fascinating guy. And I, before I kick it back to you, I will say, I think he's also underrated as one of our best technicians. I think he's great with the camera. Oh, he always yeah. has been. Incredible. But especially now with Knock at the Cabin, and we'll kind of talk yeah. about that at some point. But he just continues to try things. I think he's really inventive in what he does. Like, you think about Old, where a lot of that movie is kind of like focusing on like the dead space in between characters. Yeah. And people like the characters kind of just like slowly like fall off screen. And it's like a really good visual cue for these people kind of just like rapidly aging and falling in and out of time. Um, and he just does stuff like that where I think like if you're less seasoned as a viewer, you can say like, what is this? This is ridiculous. But there, like, there's a lot of intentionality there. And he's always trying things. And even with his dialogue, too, because, you know, he's been kind of, I guess, maligned for how like stilted his dialogue is at times. But he modulates it too. Like there's a, there's other movies where it's pretty reasonable and there's other movies where it's like what is happening now. And he's playing with that yeah. too, I think in a way um, it's not always successful, uh, but I just think he's endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Like I basically agree with about everything you said there. Um, I think he's a much better director than a writer, uh, but oh, when he hits, yeah, when he hits as a writer, he really hits though. Like he is uh and and it, even if you go to one of his movies and it turns out to be um not what you were expecting like in a bad way, uh 9 times out of 10 I would argue it's going to be interesting and fascinating at the very least, uh which is much more than I can say for most bad movies. Um one thing I wanted to bring up that I forgot to bring up at the beginning of all this is you were talking about how he's like an Indian American filmmaker who kind of came into the light at a time where that was very uncommon. 
Um, I vividly remember seeing the magazine that said the next Spielberg with mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan yep. on it. And like those were like the two directors' names I knew as like a small, small kid. So um yeah, it's and and you it, the way he moves the camera, I think I get why he was called the next Spielberg, especially in, you know, one of his earliest movies in particular that we'll get to. So Yeah, he is like yeah, he's so talented as we said and you know it would never happen now because he you know he's built his brand as the auteur i'm gonna make my original movies and now they're just basically original thrillers that he self-finances which is another big part of his kind of kind of career here but i would love to see like i don't know like who are our best screenwriters like steve zalian or something like write <laughs> like write a script for him to make and then like that he just gets to shoot the shit out of it you know what i mean like yeah. that would never happen like something like that like he's just gonna write his movies or he'll adapt it from a book but he's gonna be the main creative source on it and you know that does lead to you know some movies being rough around the edges but i would yeah i like I, I am fascinated if he took more like the Spielberg route where Spielberg just works with a few different screenwriters, your Tony Kushner's and whatnot, and then just shoots the shit out of those scripts. Like, and that's not to belittle Spielberg because, you know, he's also a king here, but um, mm-hmm. it just, it's just interesting to think about like the different path that he could have gone down as a filmmaker and what kind of that would have led to if he's, if he was still doing movies like The Visit or Old or he's doing things that are <laughs> maybe more Oscar friendly, who's to say, um, in that sense. But yeah, he's he really is one of a kind. I really appreciate him. I know like I feel like as I get older too, you kind of talk about like growing with a filmmaker. There's I'm looking less for things that are conventionally good, quote unquote, and kind of more things yeah. that are interesting and have a singular voice attached to them. Um, which we are going to get to in this podcast (laughs) (laughs) like that that line people need to keep in mind as they're listening i would say so it's just you know he's he is one of those guys i think every one of his movies is an interesting talking point and i think that's why it's so fun to do a podcast about him um but yeah can we kind of wanted to just get together here and just bite a huge chunk off of this and just rank all of his movies (laughs) this could end horribly for us it could be hilarious. We'll see what happens. But the kind of the way we're going to do is here is we have our personal lists of ranking or ranking the M night movies from one to 14. Um, and we're going to come together here and try to create a combined list. So one of us might love the happening. So one, one of us might hate the happening and we might have to bargain over where that movie falls in this list. You know, we might have to trade draft compensation down the road. However, that works with the kind of, make some make some bargains here and there to make this work but um yeah this should be really fascinating to see what happens here um yeah yeah i guess a quick programming note uh we are not including his technically his debut is Pray, praying with anger a movie he made in 1992 i think that's like his student film or like his like whatever the combination of like a thesis for film people is i don't know what that's called your final project um but yeah. it was never officially released it played in some festivals but never actually was picked up for distribution so we decided let's not start there we'll start with another movie that people don't realize that m night directed which is wide awake so we capped it there so from wide awake onward is kind of how we decided to rank these movies here um but yeah is there anything you want to mention before we dive in here spencer no any I don't misgivings think any, any concerns yeah <laughs> 
I don't think either of us have seen Praying with Anger, so I can't really say anything there. But we have both seen Wide Awake, so. We have. We certainly yeah. have. Um, <laughs> we sat through it. That yeah, was the I get, one I think both of us hadn't seen, right? Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't actually seen a couple of these, so this was a really fun oh, cool. project. Um, cool, cool. Yeah, Praying with Anger, Anger is apparently on YouTube and pristine for yep. 480p. <laughs> um, so if you want to watch it, go right ahead <laughs> i actually have one more thing that i want to say is i probably it seems like both of us are positive overall on m night Shyamalan, like as a mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and as Definitely. a figure and that makes me really happy that we're the ones making this list because you could very easily have a couple people who are like oh this movie's just garbage and he's a garbage filmmaker and i think it's much more interesting when you have people who are enthusiastic about what they're yeah. talking about there's like a strong contention of people that he hasn't made a good movie since like the unbreakable or I guess signs that came after that. And so, yeah, even we are signs not... though. Some people, some people aren't on that one. So. Yeah. So yeah. we are, and even unbreakable is kind of a, like a belated thing. We'll get into that too. So yeah, we are mm-hmm. not those people happy to say, um, <laughs> I guess before we dive in, have you seen servant his TV show? I haven't. And I've heard it's pretty good. I watched, I watched like the first episode and I liked it, but it was, I think I watched it at a time when I had uh, a lot of stuff I had to watch and like get through. So it like, I feel like I, it was like the end of the year, like Oscar season, but the first episode was directed by him and it was interesting. It seemed creepy and weird in a way that I liked. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, anything M night, uh, you know, I'm sure I need to do. I need to check it out because I think at this point I have to be a completist. So maybe we do a part de with praying with anger and servant at some point. Rank the seasons of servant. <laughs> Rank, Rank the, the epi- episodes. episodes. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah. So how the way this works is we'll kind of go back and forth nominating movies that kind of deserve to be slotted in, and then we can kind of haggle over if that actually is the case or not, or we need to bump movies around, but. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start it off here. So in the 14 spot, I would like to nominate, uh, kind of probably no surprise here, I would like to nominate The Last Airbender for the number 14 Agreed. slot. <laughs> I figured that I, one you would, would get no argument from about. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is there? I feel like nobody likes this movie. Like you talk to people who maybe watch more movies like us or people who, I don't know, who watch MCU movies or don't really watch movies at all. I think everybody passionately hates this movie <laughs> for so many different reasons. They get the name, they get the Aang's name wrong. They say it wrong the entire yeah. movie. It's just, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> so I unfortunately rewatched this um, because I actually ran into somebody on via twitter.com who, um, saw me saying to somebody that the last airbender was a terrible movie and um he said no not terrible not even close to terrible so i was like was avatar the last airbender or i guess just the last airbender not as terrible as i remembered it um so i went back and watched it and um actually i didn't even make it to the end like i made it (laughs) about three-fourths of the way through and i just like it, it was like I didn't even need a mirror to ask myself, what are you doing right now? Like with your life? Uh <laughs> this movie is terrible, like a one of a kind type of terrible movie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I am a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, the show. Me too. Uh, yeah. And I feel like if you are, there is absolutely nothing for you here. And um, if you're not a fan of the show, then I feel like this movie would be borderline incomprehensible. Like the the mythology, everything about it is so brushed to the side and just shit is just happening yeah. throughout this movie in a way that is super frustrating. Um, they completely butcher so many of the characters here. Um, there's weird whitewashing going on with specific oh, characters. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, dude, like even like Uncle Iroh, who uh, is somebody who is a great character in in the TV show, they completely butcher his character, too. So there's like really nothing here that I I can give a compliment to other than maybe some action beats are kind of cool. Yeah, he this is kind of right in that period where he was really kind of more of a director for hire, like in his really bad period. And there is just like none of the personality that you would get from a movie like like Knock at the Cabin or what he's doing now, where he's doing all these fun camera tricks and whatnot. He's just, like there is no personality to this movie. It's it's like a hundred minutes of I guess like CGI and then like people like trying to explain the plot to you. Like every talking scene is just people trying to explain the mythology of The Last Airbender, which is that's probably like you get into the point where this is a multi-season show that they tried to pack like like the first like book like the water the the book of water into a, like a hundred minute movie like it's just so much junk that they have to get through and it may, like your only hope of like adapting that correctly is probably like a three hour epic but you know this movie was aimed this is a Nickelodeon movie I remember when I watched this like that's one of the big production companies that pops up. Um, so this movie was aimed at kids and you're not going to have kids sit through that. So they probably cut out all the fat and it's incomprehensible and it's, it looks like really cheap too. Like you, I don't know if that's like the lighting or the sets, but it just looks like a really amateurish like production and you know, none of the acting is very good either. So it's, it really is just tough all around. It's just kind of one of those like really, really bad high profile bombs. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing I forgot to mention is the acting. I don't really like to take shots at child actors. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, there's a couple performances I will be pointing out tonight in other movies as well. Uh, but yeah, the the acting here, it's just like it feels so wooden and flat to me. Um, you mentioned that M. Night uh, sometimes has a problem with dialogue here. It feels like more egregious than almost ever for me um just like it feels just like total nonsense throughout it really does yeah it, it has none of the the like charm or the the feeling you get when you're watching a great m night movie like even on a visual level for yeah, me. yeah so. there's like so i had i had never watched this all the way through like i had seen it in chunks because it's just so terrible but like i never sat down and watched it beginning to end and i did that this was the first movie i watched on this kind of journey here and i was like oh no this was a bad <laughs> this was a bad decision we might not get yeah. to this podcast yeah that's brutal um but yeah it just there's like the we can move on to the next movie after this because i don't want to talk about this movie anymore <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. there's like the, going. There, there's the opening scene where they rescue ang out of the kind of like the out of the, the ice. water the yeah. ice yeah and 
like all the scenes are rearranged like they don't ask him his name like who are you they don't say like who are you what's your name until like yeah, 20 minutes later I noticed that yeah. like they bring him back to the to the tribe and like he's like recuperating and like the first thing that they say to him isn't like hey like what's your deal they're like it's like something completely different like it just makes no sense like everything's out of order um yeah it just this just really feels like this was like a like a for hire gig and it went horribly horribly wrong and yep so yeah i'm done with talking about the last day of render but that was good you know that was we we agreed we have 13 left let's yeah, see if we can do do it again so far so good <laughs> okay so for 13 why don't you give so, us a, a movie to nominate here yeah so for number 13 i nominate wide awake okay so this is this is my thought process that's definitely i think i'm willing to go there i also had lady in the water at 13 how are we that, feeling there no 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 way <laughs> no. oh god is lady in the water your favorite night movie what are, what's happening <laughs> <laughs> just uh no i i okay there is another movie i'd be fine with here but it's not lady in the water okay um you know what i'm gonna so, be nice because i feel like we're gonna have some really bad fights later on so i'm gonna give you wide awake <laughs> at 13 i'm gonna give this one to you spencer you're good we'll do wide awake we'll, at 13 okay. yeah okay cool cool <laughs> okay. all right uh basically this movie has nothing for me um i think that you know i'm not a religious person i wasn't raised catholic so there's that's a very specific element of this movie but on top of that it relies so heavily on um this child performance i feel like his dialogue here is really 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 rough um there's like the central kind of relationship uh familial relationship is between this kid and his grandpa and um i just don't feel like you really ever get enough there to feel a, a complete connection with him uh actually the the movie that i thought of with the boy and the grandpa's relationship was troll 2 um just because <laughs> it's the weird like the grandpa's dead and the kid is like just kind of still reeling from the loss of of his grandfather's deceased grandfather um and then you know you even have like this central friendship between these two boys and uh i just like i didn't really feel anything for that either this is another movie that kind of just feels like shit just ha kind of happens throughout it and then you know you get to the end and you're there's like a twist ending in this movie which is especially bizarre <laughs> there is a twist but it doesn't feel yeah but it doesn't feel well planted um throughout like it's basically like oh if you notice this thing that happened uh about every 20 30 minutes in the movie for less than five seconds then maybe you'll be like <laughs> but yeah I, yeah I totally thought that this was just a nothing movie basically yeah i think the most surprised i've ever been watching an m night movie is that this movie actually had a twist at the end <laughs> i wasn't surprised at the twist just that it actually went there um yeah i guess we should probably take a step back on this movie because i feel like nobody has ever seen this movie um and there's a reason for that so this movie came out in 98 and then you had the sixth sense came out was at 99 so this like right on the heels they feel like completely two different directors like wide awake feels like this was like a disney like a disney channel director yeah. and then sixth sense feels like that's 
M. Night Shyamalan. Um, and, well, one of the big reasons as, like, things in Hollywood in the 90s, like, would happen is because Harvey Weinstein was involved with this movie. Yeah. Um, so this movie made, I think, it made no money. I don't know what, it was like $5,000 at the box office. It bombed horribly. And um, kind of one of the big things that people say about it is basically that Harvey did what Harvey did and just basically took it out of M. Night's hands and, like, re-edited it to bits, basically. Uh, which is what he did with so many different movies uh, back then. Um, so you can kind of see where it is kind of just stuff happening. And I imagine that was probably, you know, Harvey Weinstein's doing as he did with so many other movies. And yeah, it's just, it's just this, it's this bizarre little movie about a kid who is sad that his, because that his grandfather died and his grandfather played by the great Robert Loja. By the way, there's people in this movie. Like it's not just a bunch of no names. There's Julia Stiles, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, Rosie oh, yeah, O'Donnell is in there. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Leary is in there too. Like yep. there's people in this movie. Um, but yeah, he's basically he looks to figure out faith basically in the wake of his grandfather's death and what his purpose mm-hmm. is. And you know, you talked about not being raised Catholic. Well, being raised as a Catholic person uh, who doesn't really <laughs> do that anymore, but that's fine. Um, this movie is not good. <laughs> this movie oh, is not good. I was going to say, I, I, was, ex- I was cringing, prepping myself for you to say this is a great film. Yeah, great you know, American it's, film. You know, it's number one <laughs> of all time is Left Behind, and then number yeah, two is yeah. Wide the Wake, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so honestly, like, I watched this movie, and I had it a little higher on my personal list, because I was like, you know, like, this, this was clearly taken out of his hands. Who knows what, like... M. Night's vision was for this. I imagine that like the voiceover, the grading voiceover by the kid was not an original inclusion because it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's really bad. It's um, prominent throughout the whole movie too. Like yeah, and that's it, most it, of the dialogue. I feel like is the voiceover. Yeah. It's really tough. It's like, it is, uh, yeah, it's Harrison Ford in Blade Runner, like kind of <laughs> levels. It's really bad. Um, yeah. It's stuff just, stuff just happens. And then he, you know, a twist happens at the end. Honestly, I don't even want to spoil it because it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah. you shouldn't. But you also you shouldn't watch the movie. So I don't know. I'm torn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie just isn't particularly good. It's very obvious why The Sixth Sense was kind of branded as his debut movie because I'm sure everyone involved in this movie kind of wanted <laughs> to forget it very quickly. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not very good. I think it's worthy of the 13th spot. This is this is kind of like uh, now thinking of it. Last last time on the podcast, we brought up Martin Scorsese's Silence. This is kind of like Silence for Kids. It's like the kid <laughs> goes through a crisis of faith. That's and your then, pitch. Yeah, and then God breaks the silence at the end of the movie. Spoiler. It's like it's a wonderful life, but with a Catholic kid is kind of the idea, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, same thing. All same the great movie. movies, it, yeah. it just it redoes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie's not very good. Not to believe the point. So, um, yeah, that's our number 13. Uh, so for number 12, I feel like I tipped my hand a little bit saying that Lady in the Water should be maybe 13. So I'm going to present it again. Lady in the Water at number 12. Spencer, your thoughts? So here's the deal. I guess maybe <laughs> it's already kind of come out. I do, I do really like Lady in the Water. Um... <laughs> I realize that most people think it's a terrible movie, but I think that there is one other movie that M. Night Shyamalan directed that I feel like is much worse than Lady in the Water. 
And um, I don't think it's a super controversial statement uh, to to kind of like say that that one should probably be be here. Is it, um, is it After Earth? Yes, yes, okay. it's After Earth. So that's kind of where I'm feeling too. It's between okay, these two and, movies. And Nick, I promise you, after if we play After Earth here, I'll play Lady in the Water next. <laughs> I will say Lady in the okay. Water is my number nine. It's my number nine movie okay. on my personal I'm trying list. to think. Because the way I look at these two movies, I would say After Earth is maybe conventionally better? Question marks? Like it has no. like... It has like a plot that happens, yeah. And there's a resolution at the end, you know, in like a typical <laughs> three act blockbuster structure. And then Lady in the Water is just batshit, and it's horrible, but it's way more interesting to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so that's that's exactly what I'm saying. It's it's like you have a movie that completely strips M Night of its his identity, or the one that almost feels like the ultimate M Night Shyamalan movie to me. So yeah, yeah. That's a good case for it. I feel like I, I don't want to cave to you too much, but I feel like that's a good point. Because like, because After Earth is like that could have been directed by anybody, you know? Like that's like yeah, such yeah, like that's, an obvious. That's my thing. And and M Night and Lady in the Water could not have been directed by anybody except M Night Shyamalan. That's so. true. So number one, yeah. is what we're saying. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not out of my mind. I just think Lady in the Water is a lot more interesting than people give it credit for. All right, so let's do let's do this. Let's do After Earth at twelve, because I think okay, I'll remember think this. Even after even as we're talking about it, I don't feel as passionate about After Earth as I do for Lady in the Water. So we'll do that at twelve. Um, yes. Okay. Cool. All right. So After Earth, it's it's a movie that exists. Yeah. I don't indeed. know. Should we move on? What else is there to say? <laughs> I, I have a story of After Earth, actually. Um, I just got to give a shout out. So I um, am from a part of Colorado that is about an hour and 30 minutes from Moab, Utah, where some of After Earth was shot. So I have a friend who was actually briefly in the movie After Earth. And that is the only... There's a scene at the beginning where Jaden Smith is running with a group of oh is he one of the runners child soldiers he's one of the runners oh that's great and yeah and so that's about the only positive thing i have to say about after earth uh, it's it's a really kind of dull movie it feels like a vanity project for will smith uh, to be in with his son that uh m night Shyamalan was literally in director's jail at this point and so kind of just was hired as a yes man to do this there's some decent visual effects there's there's also couple... some bad visual effects too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. But uh, then there's like some okay, like action beats, kind of like the Last Airbender. Uh, I feel like basically nothing for this movie, um, which is, I feel like in a way, um, makes it almost the worst M Night movie for me, just because at least with the Last Airbender, I like felt an intense hatred. So it's like I did this movie. I didn't even <laughs> feel that. Like I didn't feel anything. I felt like a a rock like it was just yeah so that's all i have to say about after earth <laughs> yeah it's i watched it for the first time in this little little exercise here um and this is one of those where it's like this movie is terrible like it's really bad so i was like oh no what, what am i getting into and i watched it and i kind of felt the way you did i didn't have a reaction to it i think it definitely has the extra little stink on it because it's it was so obvious obviously like a, a vanity project for will will smith and jaden smith and make him a star 
Um, so it was like clearly like people like the, the claws were out basically from like everybody being like this we're ready to make this like really tear this movie down. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's just you know it was very obviously like another movie that was probably over two hours like it like it probably wanted to be like a two hour fifteen epic minute epic and it just wasn't really coming together so they're all right we'll make it a ninety minute movie and we'll be in now and it's gonna be super boring and. It's just going to be Jaden Smith walking through the woods and then he's going to find a beacon and then the movie's going to be over and that's going to be it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it does, it's not, it's kind of like the last airbender, but not as maybe as atrocious where it really just feels like it was a movie that anybody made. Like when I'm watching this movie, I thought of that guy who's the guy who directs like the, all of the really terrible Disney movies is the Joaquin, like, like Joachim Ronan. Was that his name? The guy who did the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and he did um, Maleficent oh. too. Like he, they bring in that guy for yeah, like yeah. every bad He's... Disney movie, and he's gonna do like that Tron, uh, thing movie with uh, with Jared Leto too. Yeah, that's gonna come out. That'll probably make no I'm money. Um, but it reminded me of like they just like it could have been that guy who directed this movie. You know, like it just like a total direct for hire, no no personality whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's. Like when you watch it, I I can't call it as objectively bad as something like The Last Airbender because it's just kind of it's just so bland and like a lot of that is in the construction where Will Smith's character has no emotion because of the construction of the story because they can't show fear to the the monsters whatever yeah. the Ursas or whatever they're called. So you take like one of the most charismatic actors and just make them super like it's emotionless. It's a huge problem. It's such yeah, a weird a choice that problem. they did that, but it was just like. Yep. Will Smith wanted to make this a vehicle for his kid and whatnot, but yeah, it's just it's just not very good. I don't really have any passionate feelings about it other than like I watched it yeah. and then it disappeared right immediately from my brain. No, for sure. And like I mean, I personally would argue Will Smith is like a good, not great actor who yeah. picks picks notoriously bad films like catastrophically bad movies he is terrible at picking movies and it's funny because he has like there's like that story but he has that book like that tells him like what movie like what scripts to yeah. choose and he just chooses terrible movies so it's like at this point and you when... look at some of the movies he's turned down too like yeah it's like, oh my god dude. and it's like wouldn't <laughs> like you like rewrite that book a little bit at this point yeah <laughs> have a little have a little self-awareness but well i guess you know Maybe Will Smith yeah. isn't the most self-aware person at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. The man like turned down the Matrix and starred in Collateral Beauty. Like I don't know what else to say. Like yeah. it's 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 nuts to me. Django so. Unchained too. All like yeah. There's there's a bunch. Yeah. There is a bunch. And yeah, this movie. There's a really interesting backstory from like Sony wanted to like basically make this movie like the internet. Like they wanted to make this like this weird like offshoot of like a world of like things and they came back to like we can like make this like a portion of like we can make it like a facebook or like a social media thing and it was like what is happening like even me saying these words it makes it sound like gobbledygook but it's like a thing that sony tried to do with this movie like it was so engineered to be like a product that people <laughs> like take in so yeah, i can definitely no see personality why, yeah i can definitely see why people like try to just dunk on this movie i personally don't think it's worth dunking on if you just look at it as a movie it's just like clearly not a interesting movie that was made yeah (laughs) so that's that's all it is what it is yeah yeah so that's okay that's number 12 so i think we've established lady in the water is 11 
Yeah. So no fighting there. Right, Nick, unfortunately, against against my my own personal list, I nominate Lady in the Water. <laughs> so this is this is your thing. So I'm gonna let you let you cook here for a little bit. So, um, I said at the beginning of this podcast that uh, M Night Shyamalan is a filmmaker who. Since I was a kid, like I recognized his names. Um, I I like vividly remember seeing trailers for the village, uh, and like seeing M. Night Shyamalan's name and getting so excited for that movie because I was like, oh, this is like a new one from the guy who did signs. And um, so by the time Lady in the Water came around, uh, it was like 2005, so I was like 10 years old, and I remember. I like vividly remember being in a theater. I don't remember for what movie and seeing the teaser trailer for this movie, um, which uh, I don't know if you've seen the teaser trailer. I had the pleasure to see it, but um, it dials up the fairy tale uh, element of it. Like starts with like this uh, on screen text that says once upon a time, there was a man named Cleveland heap. And there's like this weird, like (laughs) violin music playing. And then Josh Groban begins singing a song. And then there's like a tease. Yeah. And then there's like the scene where he like first sees movement in the water. And it says like a bedtime story by M. Night Shyamalan. And I remember like being confused, but also intrigued as a kid. I was like, oh, like a new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I'm so excited. And then, um, the poster for Lady in the Water, I still think is like a great poster. Like it's very striking on a visual mm-hmm. level. Yep. Um, so I went and saw it as a 10 year old and I thought that it was terrible. Like I was legitimately, <laughs> there's like one of the first times I remember as a kid feeling genuinely baffled by something that I was watching uh, and just thinking that like it was so disappointing that it wasn't like scary to me like i was just kind of like oh that was just lame and stupid it was cheesy i felt like um so until just this past like week i had not rewatched lady in the water and so i went back and i rewatched it and this movie to me felt like the discovery of this list um i want to say that this movie is incomprehensible it is absolutely (laughs) baffling on every single level it feels like m night Shyamalan is like hearing voices in his head and writing down what he hears oh absolutely there's yeah there's a scene in this movie that i think sums up the movie perfectly uh it's like uh cleveland heap has been instructed by story who's a water nymph to walk outside <laughs> to because she believes he's what is called the guardian who is somebody who can like protect her from this wolf monster called the scrunt that it, sure. like, blends into grass yeah and uh cleveland heap has to i think that's the funniest name ever but it's great <laughs> he name. has to yeah he has to hold a mirror she's like it's communicating to him through a walkie-talkie she's like now you have to hold up a mirror over your shoulder and then you'll <laughs> see the eyes of the scrunt in the grass and then when you see the eyes it will approach you and you have to turn around and look at it and it feels like shit is just being made up by the way this is like 60 seconds of the movie like all it the really information is. i just yeah. gave you is 60 seconds of this movie honestly that's and probably like you put your audio against like the movie and it's probably like yeah. the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you like can people do, just uh, say things at each other in this yeah. movie it, yeah exactly but like it's so earnest and it has so much heart and it's so like fascinating um knowing that m night Shyamalan just like i imagine him like telling his kids this bedtime story because famously that's what this movie is he like told his kids his bedtime story and then he was probably like oh shit that was really good and then like went and like wrote down like <laughs> notes on on a notepad and um i yeah like i think this movie is so much fun and the characters are really you got like the guy who works out just one side yes of the body. i was gonna mention it's, that it's incredible yeah, it's, such a, it's such a fun quirk and then you know there's like the lady's mom who they, they got the language barrier that they keep having to communicate with each other with so this movie has like personality it feels like this community even when everything feels so stilted you got bob balaban playing a film critic who is he's mm-hmm. like the only person who dies in the movie right like, yep he sure yeah, does and he, yep <laughs> and he's, he's like arrogant he's an asshole and you can tell it was him and i being like oh you guys don't understand me after the village um and yeah, I just I had so much fun with this movie. And at the end, like I actually felt like something when when the giant bird, when the monkey <laughs> creatures came from the trees and beat the shit out of the scrunt and then took story away. And Cleveland Heap was like, thank you. I learned I learned a great thing to let go or whatever. Yeah, it's whatever, like, it whatever feels, you learned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to let go of his family, of course. Yeah, so um uh, I don't know. I'm not happy about it being here, but I accept it. This this movie, it feels like a fever dream. It is so it fascinating. It really is like this is like where we're we're kind of like hitting our stride here. Like this is like super like deeply weird, but like could have only been made by one person. Um and that same person casts themselves as the savior of the universe. <laughs> so great. So great. I love it. Yeah. While also having a, a critic just get mauled and just dismembered and destroyed. <laughs> it's just incredible in terms of like, like just M night just being on one and just being like, I'm on the top of the world. Like I can't, I can do anything, anything I want. It is just so incredible. Cause this, the other story behind this was this was this was the movie that he was trying to get made for the longest time, and you know right after the village, which was like I guess like his first critical flop, if you could say, um, but it still made a ton of money. So basically, he was like he could still kind of do whatever he wanted, and every studio was like I don't I don't know what this movie is, and eventually um, he got it made, and it turned into this, and he had total creative freedom and it it sure shows it you know you have when you have a guy named reggie who only works out one side of his body that's that's <laughs> that, that's not the product of studio notes <laughs> so no it's not it yeah. certainly is not um so yeah this like you said there are so many like little peculiar things about this movie um in the, in the way that it's just like it's another thing like the last airbender where people are just saying the mythology to each other like as it's like um it's like oh yeah like instead of like how are you it's just like the the scrunt is this evil wolf thing that lives in the grass <laughs> and you're like oh okay good, good to see you Thanks. okay the, can i can i interject in here please um, please do that's one thing that's one thing about this movie that is absolutely hilarious to me is it seems that every single character in this movie 
immediately accepts everything that absolutely is told to him. they are totally bought in there's like when... no questions asked yeah <laughs> so when like... bryce dallas howard who is story which is just incredible yes. um yeah she's no she's, she's in the shower and sarita trudry uh is talking to her um and like for some reason uh bryce dallas howard can't just can't tell Paul Giamatti like what's going on, so she has to do this weird thing where she's <laughs> she's telling she's talking to this woman and she's like grabbing her hair and her ears to say like yes because she can't say yeah. yes. Um, and then he amazing just, like, scene. And then he grabs like the entire crew of who he thinks are like the saviors or the people he's supposed to like help out this <laughs> this person, and all of them are like, oh yeah, this checks out. Like they're not like wait, like who is this like weird water nymph? Like, there's not one question. Yeah, Jeffrey nothing. Jeffrey Wright's just like, you know what? I'm going to look at this crossword puzzle and try to figure out what it's telling me. <laughs> like, it is in, it is incredible batshit insanity. Like, yeah. it, is, it is truly, like, incredible. And, I, and it's so funny because, you know, there's so many good actors in this. Like, Jared Harris is in this movie. It's just a, as yeah. his, his credit. I'm looking at the IMDb <laughs> right now. His credit is as the goatee smoker. He That's might it. have two lines in yeah. this entire movie. And it's fucking Jared Harris. Like, you know, like there is yeah, like people so there are people in this movie that were like really excited to work with this visionary director. Um, like, you know, this was young Jeffrey Wright too. Like like um they're so excited to like be with like this is gonna be a real movie and then you you watch it and it's uh it's something. I don't know if it's a real movie, but it certainly is something. <laughs> this is like one of the only movies I feel like we'll ever see where somebody is like mortally wounded from scratches on their legs. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's she it. only gets like scratched in the legs. That's like the only place <laughs> she's ever injured. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like couldn't they like scratch up her face at least? You know, like if we're gonna keep it yeah. like PG thirteen and like the legs <laughs> still show a little bit, it's like she can get like a scratch in her cheek or something. But no, it's only the legs. Only only the legs. Yeah, I mean, like I said. It it sounds Nick like you love this movie, but um, I do. Gonna... But I also have to acknowledge that it's terrible. That's that's how I that's how I am with this movie. Like I do, I would absolutely watch this movie again, and probably over a few movies will rank ahead of it. But wow. could we, but could we ever say it's good? Like absolutely not. Like it is one of the most insane movies of like the last twenty five years. Like truly, what is, it is good? Bizarre. What is good? <laughs> yeah, know. it is. I think this is good. It's just, but, I would, we could even do, like, a five podcast series on, like, on this movie. Like, it, there's so many, like, little things to pick <laughs> at here. It, it's it's also weirdly, like, one of his longest movies, too, if you can believe that. Yeah. Um, it's just, it is something. You have That's, Paul, G, you have Paul, the great Paul Giamatti just saying nonsense <laughs> for two apparently hours. Apparently, Philip Seymour Hoffman was originally going to be in this movie Holy as that shit. character. Can you yeah, imagine that? and then he had scheduling conflicts. Yeah, like I kind of want to see that movie. No disrespect to Paul Giamatti, whom I love. He's great, but yeah, that would that would have been awesome. That would have been something. Yeah, this there's just so many little things, like the big third act scene is just like a pool party, like love it's it. We, it's just who knows what's what's going on here. Anyway, um, before my my brain melts, let's move on to our number ten movie here. Okay. Um, I feel I feel pretty good about this one, but I'm curious because okay. we're starting to get into kind of interesting territory here with M Night. But I'm gonna go for number ten. I'm gonna present to you the happening. What do you say, sir? 
this is exactly where I had it. Perfect. Well, we're doing pretty good so far. Yeah. For so sure. it was it was below Lady in the Water, I will say, but <laughs> So the happening is I feel like people connect Lady in the Water and the Happening together as the as the two batshit movies that he made in this mid 2000s period. And I kind of get why cuz you look at the happening and Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel are they're doing something in this movie. They their <laughs> their performances are truly baffling in the middle of this. Like if you had never watched Zoe Deschanel in the movie before, you would think like this is one of the worst actors ever. She's horrible in this and movie. And Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Well, it's like I feel like we've seen that version of Mark Wahlberg before where he's just like the what? Huh? Guy? You know, the like wide-eyed he, questioning yeah. guy. Yeah. Like the like the <laughs> kind of like stupid, but yeah, we've seen we've seen that Mark Wahlberg before, but Zoe Deschanel just like the first line she says, I forget what it is, but you're just oh, like, whoa. Dude. You're like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, what, she is in a different movie. Like, she is maybe on drugs. I don't know. <laughs> like, something crazy is happening. Um, but all that's to say, I think there's, you know, like, the happening is in, like, is in a long lineage of, like, these eco-thrillers where it's, like, the, the earth turns against us in, in some way and we all have to kind of band together or it's just, like, all-out madness and people running into each other, like, kind of one of these hyperlink movies. Um and I think it's like if you can kind of tear back, you know, the the Marky Marks and the Zoe Deschanel's and take my daughter's hand if you if you mean it of it all from uh, Lake Wazamo in there. This movie I think is really interesting and has one of the I think a really palpable. First of all, I mean it's obvious now like you look back on it, it's like a really good COVID allegory in terms of mm-hmm. like you can only be in small packs. Um, but so like the cities are are doomed but you going you kind of go out into the rural areas and there's like the ignorance surrounding it that kind of kills and dooms everybody in a different way um but in terms of kind of looking at this as a post 9-11 par- paranoia thriller i think is really fascinating because um i mean they're obviously like it changed like cinema and forever and how and how like we kind of depict paranoia in in film um but you do look at this movie as very much of like we don't know what the villain is like you're ru- like running frantically in this kind of like lawless land and you know and I think there's something really interesting in looking at like the underpinnings of what this movie is like kind of in in conversation with in the real world. Um, I think it's deeply fascinating. Is it a good movie? No, definitely not. Um, but I think there is like far more to like choose or like pick at here i think there's like there's a lot of things that were very intentional about this movie um it was probably made in a lot of ways like exactly how it was planned to be made um and there's some really good sequences in it but um yeah there's some there's definitely some wonky dialogue in there that people have tried to like look back at as like kind of like a goofy play on like an exploitation movie from like the 70s or something like that which i can't quite get on board with but I think this movie is really, really interesting in terms of what it's in conversation with. Yeah, M. Knight said he was kind of trying to make like a throwback to like 50s, like sci-fi thriller. Yeah, horror and those movies things. are campy too. Yeah, and I think uh, when viewed through that lens, I actually think this movie's pretty good. Like I, I like the happening. Uh, I should have said uh, from last one lady in the water on i like all these movies so we're now in territory where it's like i'm positive on everything um yeah this movie uh the 
two lead performances by Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel are a sight to behold in this. <laughs> um, they are bad in this movie, like genuinely bad. Um, I don't buy Mark Wahlberg as a like science teacher for even one second. What happened? And to I the don't bees? buy what happened. Yeah, what happened <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly bizarre scene. Uh, and then Zoe Deschanel, I don't buy as a human being for one scene. <laughs> She's like just something else in this movie. Uh, but this movie's really fun. There are some sequences in it that are genuinely tense and well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography in this is incredible. It's like incredible, yeah. Yeah, there's a scene where they're um running from the wind that is like so well shot. Like it's it really makes the tense. wind feel menacing. Yeah, uh, and I actually think John Leguizamo is uh is awesome in this. Like he had his like death scene in this movie. I think is actually super effective. Like um the way he's like. trying to talk to this lady and like calm her down even though he knows he's doomed like it's the impending doom coming for him uh i think he's like actually the only maybe actor who feels like he was he did good in this movie to me yeah he he Um, came out unscathed definitely (laughs) yeah even even with the line don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it which is so aggressive and weird like it's really tough yeah uh jeremy strong shows up in this movie for like a, a scene as a soldier and he says cheese and crackers, crackers <laughs> is a curse word yeah it's incredible um and then the mvp of this movie honestly for me is um frank collison who is like this older man who is he the hot the dog guy yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He's, no, definitely. He's like just He's just babbling on about how the plants are going to turn on someday throughout the movie. And then it turns out like his his ramblings were correct. But his facial expressions in this movie, like every single facial expression he makes, I think is the funniest thing ever in this movie. Like he just has like a face that, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan just like like, gravitates towards it feels like. It's funny because he's in the village, too. And like you barely you barely notice him for a second because he's not he doesn't have the same like twitchy bug eye thing going on. And you're like, oh, it's that guy. It's the hot dog guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's just so funny in this movie and it feels like he knows that he's in kind of a corny, you know, throwback movie. Um, yeah, I like this. This movie's fun. Like it's, it's a good time. Like if you've, I, I feel like it does not deserve, um, the amount of like hatred that it gets thrown at it. Like, I think this movie is actually really fun. So, yeah, I think it's so many people get tied up with the performances in this movie and it's like i can i can see that you know you just you're just like what the fuck are these actors doing and then like that kind of like could deflate like the tense stuff that's happened like all the tense scenes that happen so i can get that um yeah but i'm with you like kind of like i said i think there's like a lot of interesting ideas that this movie's kind of floating around and definitely in a like in a pandemic context it kind of does become a lot more resonant the scene where the um lady shows the footage of the lion ripping the guy's arm off is one of the funniest things oh it's so funny it's so (laughs) funny so good and like like makes no sense but it's awesome so like some of the montages of people committing suicide in this movie are like pretty funny to me they're hilarious (laughs) there's like another super well shot scene like the the concept of it works is the gun that keeps falling and then somebody walks towards it and picks it up yeah but it's so funny 
it's so yeah, it's funny. funny. It's really funny. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, this and then there's um, you know, Marky Mark talks to a plant. That's another thing yeah. that happens in this movie. Talks to a tree. It's the <laughs> incredible scene. It is such a weird thing because there's so many goofy things that happen, and then you do kind of do feel like this like I don't know if terror is the word, but like you feel a little something, like it does kind of drive like a somewhat of an interesting point home. I don't know. I think there's this movie is really interesting. I agree with you. It's kind of it is unfairly maligned in a lot of different ways. So I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. I don't know if I can quite say it's good, but like this like from here on for me, I I say all these movies are good for me. Yeah. But um, I do like I this like, movie. I like it. Yeah. And you know, hot fun. dogs are high in protein. And, you know, they're really good for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, let's move on to to number yeah. nine. I believe this is this is your turn. This what do you got for me. us? Okay. Nick, We're in weird territory I here. Is, I feel like I don't, yeah. four, through, four through nine, I think, is re- a really interesting kind of what do we do here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know how this is going to go over, but for <laughs> this slot, I nominate Split. Oh, so that was my number eight. Okay. So here's where I'm at. I had, I had Glass was my number nine. I had split at mm. eight. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I know, I think you're a more, you're a bigger fan of glass than I am. I, I, I like glass, so you don't have to, you won't have, there won't be as much defending going on, but I don't know. I don't know. Try to sell me on it. Uh, glass is my number three. <laughs> oh, shit. Here we go. The podcast has started. It yeah. started. <laughs> um, Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's we a curveball. I know, but so we can't. I, well, I can't. I can't. Good conscience, bring your three down to nine. <laughs> we'll have to figure something else out here. Um, so let's do. So if it's your nine and my eight, why don't we do split at nine? We'll, let's do that. Let's lock it in. Okay. Let's do All that. right. I so, think that makes sense. Here's the thing. Here's my argument. Split is a good movie, but. The incredible reveal at the end tricks people into thinking it's a great movie. Um, M. Night Shyamalan has had a lot of criticism in his kind of like renaissance period that he's in right now that he kind of is exploitative to people with mental illnesses. Um, And this movie, I do feel that. I feel like there is it uses mental illness as like something to be terrified of um, and like that this person is dangerous and violent and could very easily turn into like a literal monster and kill you. Um, It has a great performance at the center from James McAvoy. It's, it's an incredible multiple performances. He plays all these different characters who occupy his head. Um, as Anya Taylor Joy, who I love, she's great in the movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is shot by the guy who did It Follows, um, and it's incredible. Like the cinematography is yeah, amazing, and I have absolutely no complaints with the cinematography. Um, other than that, I think it's a pretty like standard thriller. Like until, like I said, that ending reveal. There's nothing that feels like revelatory in the way that you want. Um, it to be for me like there are some fun sequences there's some well 
executed sequences. I just don't personally feel... Uh, I guess I just don't feel this reaches the heights of the best film in this series. Um, and I, I think that it... To me, it's the weakest just because it feels like while it can stand on its own, it's missing, I guess, Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis to, for me. Like, it's yeah. it's just, yeah, it, it feels like kind of almost gimmicky to me in a way that after I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is incredible. And now I've kind of soured on it a little more, I guess. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Nothing really to add. It's just, you know, it's. It's a it's a just a good solid thriller that has like a few standout things that probably make it more talked about than maybe it deserves to be. Um, yeah, plays really fast and loose with mental illness. That's for sure. <laughs> Out of all of those like criticisms that have been thrown his way, this is probably this is probably the biggest one. I guess well, we can talk about the visit, but I kind of I kind of love that movie. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this movie is just a really effective. Um, thriller with good performances. You got Haley Lee Richardson in there too. We're early. Yeah, Haley Lee she's Richardson. awesome. And like she's like one of my favorites, so it's always fun to see her yep. in that. And then she just you know dies like very quickly. <laughs> so um, yeah, this I think you're right. Where the ending, it was like a such a holy shit. And like it was a really yep. cool th- movie theater movie because yes, I think at that point like Unbreakable wasn't kind of at the stature it was because i think a lot of people like went back to it after split because they're like what is this like what happened at this ending but for me yeah. like that was like a super cool like obviously did not see that coming how could you unless someone spoiled it for you um and it does kind of like does change your perception of the whole movie um i think i do think in some good ways though because you're like the entire time you're like how do do these personalities allow james mcavoy to do all this stuff and the ending, it recontextualizes it as like, oh, it's a superhero universe. So this, this can be a little more heightened. This makes a little more sense. So I think it does yeah. work in that respect. But yeah, I think I'm with you. Just a super fun thriller that I think was, this was probably the movie that said for a lot of people that, okay, I'm Night's Back, even though yeah. I have some other movies that I like a lot more. Yeah, same, same. Yep. But yeah, I like that movie. It's fun. It's a really fun movie that I would like. It's probably gonna be like a good like sleepover movie in a couple years, you know, because I think it's still PG thirteen, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, so, his only two R rated movies are The Happening and Knock at the Cabin, which is fascinating. It's really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, so I like I like that there. Okay, so that's nine. So we'll go back to eight. So this is me now. <laughs> I'm looking at the list of things. So we're gonna save glass. I think I'm good bargaining glass later. We on don't with need you. to. We don't need to save glass that much longer. I knew that I was, I know that I'm kind of in the minority on that one. So you can yeah. play glass wherever you feel, Nick. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it to you. I'm in a good mood today. I feel like it's your three. It has to be a You're little higher gonna than You're not going to be in a, in, a, in a couple seconds, I don't think. <laughs> so I have a feeling that you like this movie a little more than I do, even though I really like it. For the number eight spot, I'm gonna put the village. The village. <laughs> I can see your face. You're not happy. <laughs> yeah, the village is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
We're I diverting here. Love We're diverting yeah. here. Oh my god, <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Well, we can't do that one yet. That's for sure. Hmm. How about if knock it makes at the you cabin? Better. Sorry, go ahead. Like, this is exactly where I have knock at the cabin. Okay, let's do knock at the cabin. That's my six. Yeah. Um, I had village okay. at seven, so let's do knock at the cabin here. Pretty soon, um, by the way, we're going to be turning into me having to make compromises. Yeah, that's why I'm just like butter, I'm buttering you up for all this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get to me in a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, knock at the cabin is new one. I was really pleasantly surprised at this movie. It's kind of it's you know the trailer the 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 that teaser trailer for this movie was really really good. It was like oh I can't awesome. wait to see this movie. And this is kind of one of those movies where I kind of wish there was just 20 of these every single year. It's just like a super great, like solid thriller, inc- like impeccably photographed. Like he he has Jaron Blaschke, uh, the guy who did um, The Lighthouse and all these other amazing movies as a cinematographer. So even though it's like all takes place in this cabin, it looks incredible. There's really incredible blocking in this movie. And then Shyamalan is doing some awesome stuff as well um, with the camera. It just... It's just a really well produced and like really like like handsome production, I guess. It just like it looks incredible, um, and yeah, it's never quite as profound as I think it wants to be. I think we'll keep spoilers out of this because you know this is the new one that just dropped. Um, oh, okay. But I think I think the ending I think is really interesting, and it's definitely become a point of contention for a lot of different people, um, and it's it's interesting because I heard him talk about like kind of the the adaptation of this movie and he it sounds like the book is a lot different from what the ending of this movie is a lot better i would argue yeah and his whole thing was like apparently in the in the i guess spoilers for the book but there isn't really a choice that is made at the at the end of the book and he was like well there has to be some kind of choice made and what are the ramifications of that and there's a choice made by these characters um and i think it's been like weirdly like just because there is a choice that like this ends like this movie ends happily and i i don't agree with that i think there's like a lot of kind of like a lot of interesting trade-offs that this movie or discussions of trade-offs that i think this movie makes whether it's like queer simulation or just kind of like any other kind of tragedies that we kind of have to move on from as a society you kind of have to like swipe away to kind of continue on i think it's really interesting not as maybe not as quite as thought provoking as it wants to be, but still like pretty interesting. Um, yeah, just a really, really effective thriller. I really, I really liked it. Yeah, I mostly agree with you. Uh, I think this movie, um, for a significant portion of it, I was convinced was going to be M Night Shyamalan's best movie since The Village, um, and then <laughs> the last, the last ten minutes happened. And um, I think that I am in that camp of people who felt the ending was trying to think of ways to say this without spoiling, but it wasn't well thought out to me. Um, The it feels kind of like it just happens. Um, And the book is kind of about this palpable fear that. gay couples have uh with like their family unit and when that Mm -hmm. gets like invaded by these groups who you know might have smiling faces but have more nefarious uh motivations under the surface uh and i think the movie could have been really interesting if it went that way but 
I think personally, uh, I feel M Night Shyamalan is almost too. Um, he's not cynical enough a person to make a movie yeah. like this. Um, that said, on a technical level, I have absolutely no complaints. I think this movie is it, it's incredibly well made. There are yeah. sequences that are so well executed in this movie that I was like getting chills watching them. Yeah, me too. Dave Bautista so is good, Incredible. becoming one of my favorite. It, I think this is his best performance, honestly. Like, he's so good in this movie. But and he's still like, with glasses. He's just the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's you know he's coming for a great performance when he's <laughs> when he's got those glasses on, those spectacles. Uh yeah. Uh really good movie, but I do kind of if if you've seen it, you've probably seen criticisms about the ending, like what the statement that the ending makes. Uh, I am kind of in line with those criticisms personally. Yeah, it's tough because you're right. He's such an earnest guy that I don't think he can, like, he imbues, like, I guess the intruders with a lot more, I guess, care and respect than probably a lot of other filmmakers would do. And that's not to say that's a bad choice. It's just a different choice. Yeah, it's, I it's think. interesting. Yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things about this movie. Yeah. And I th- and that's kind of like he is. I think he's like what we were talking about. He's a corny optimist, you know. Like he just kind of sees the best in the world. And a lot of his movies are about kind of shedding the fears and like anxieties that we have as a collective and yeah. kind of moving forward into like a new future. You know, that's a lot of what what Lady in the Water is about. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if we can yeah. figure that out. Um. So I think it's tough when you kind of combine like that like that aspect with like they're terrorizing this like this gay couple and i can kind of i can certainly understand the criticisms of that um in a lot of different ways um and i don't think this movie is without like criticism i think you can totally kind of pick at that um i just don't think this the ending i don't think people are like thinking like this movie's like dangerous and i don't think that's necessarily the case with what it's saying yeah, no, at the end yeah i don't i don't think i don't think that m night has uh like cruel intentions or any sort of like malice i just wish she kind of would have thought through Uh, it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to take away at the end of this movie is more what i'm saying like the yeah yeah, the ending of the movie yeah there's like a conclusion that you can come to about like about god at the end of this movie (laughs) that is incredibly bleak and I don't know if he necessarily, like, meant it to be that way. Yeah, it's kind of the ending, you're right, where it kind of just happens. And I think part of that is to, like, well, it's up to your interpretation. And I think, like, there's enough there in the lead up to that where it's not, like, a total dud for me. And I think you can kind of, like, pick at certain interesting things and make it kind of, it's like a good conversation starter. But I also don't think it gets all the way for me there as well. So I feel like we kind of feel, we feel similar about the ending, but just for different, different ways. Um, Like if, if he would have ended it like right before a scene at a diner, I would have been totally positive on this movie. Yeah. I actually like that scene though. In a vacuum, I thought that scene was really good. Um, But yeah, I hear you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. One more thing. One more thing I want to say about this movie. There's, there's a scene, there's a scene where there's footage of a tidal wave that it is, it's, it like tore me out of the movie because it feels it's very so, funny. yeah, it feels like 
how did they get this footage? Yeah, who's like, filming I'm that? So confused. Yeah. Yes, exactly. How like, do they, are they live streaming to CNN? Like, how does that work? Yeah. But does it, yeah, it doesn't like have any indication that they're live streaming. It's just so bizarre to me. Yeah, so. you know, just yeah. M Night's gonna have night. He got a fun cameo yep. in this movie. Um, he did. Yeah. It was great. That, I like this movie. Um, I think it's pretty yeah, good. Same. It's in the line of just like his really good thrillers that he's making, and I'm totally for those. Um, so I guess we're at we're back to seven. So I'll leave it. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to you from here. Yeah. So I have a title here that I'm almost positive is your number one. So I'm gonna save that. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, even though you know where I rank this movie, I'm actually gonna propose that we put glass here i think that works like i don't want to infuriate anybody (laughs) (laughs) so that's your three and it's my nine yeah yeah so we'll put it at seven okay that kind of makes sense yeah i think that works let's do it so on that note um what i'll say is this is my favorite of this series uh the like unbreakable split glass series interesting yeah it's we'll get to it but um i recognize that the vast majority of people do not agree with that (laughs) like it would probably (laughs) slap me across the face if we were in person uh next to each other and i said that out loud um (laughs) i i'm puzzled by the response to glass like the violent hatred some people had towards it um because i think it's almost perfectly in line with what he kind of set out doing with unbreakable which is uh be create something that feels grounded and unconventional in the superhero genre um we talked about split uh which i said my issues with kind of like the the James McAvoy character in that movie. This movie adds a humanity to that character that I think mm-hmm. almost like redeems that movie. Um, it makes him sympathetic and and a like interesting presence in the movie. Um, this is also a deeply weird movie. Oh, There's super like the, weird. The middle third of the movie is basically just in a mental institution people having conversations and you're yeah. like thinking to yourself is this going to be just is the twist of this movie going to be that everybody is insane here and they've been in this asylum all along and they're just you know yeah. i think the movie does a great job with that and the third act i think is genuinely um subversive and interesting Me and too. bold i think the in exact a way, same way that, about it yeah like um so spoilers in case you haven't seen glass i feel like the death of david dunn is one of the most incredible i've ever seen a filmmaker do it is like so unexpected and insane and it infuriated people but for me i was like oh my god like that was so incredible that he just decided to take it that direction um i have one complaint about this movie and that is this is kind of like a running theme right now but the the very final scene of this movie i think in the restaurant scene right it's like in a train station i think oh that's right i remember there's the scene where where sarah paulson is talking to like her legion of people or whatever and then it goes yeah then you're right it goes to the train station from there yeah it's like it felt 
small scale in a way that like it almost felt like the budget didn't allow for something grander i mean it mm -hmm. felt weird in this movie because the rest of the movie feels so like even though it's smaller scale it felt like epic to me and like the scope felt much larger than the means that he was filming they're making this movie with um yeah i love this movie i think it's awesome and uh it like retroactively made me like both movies that came before it even more so yeah i think it's the like the common thing about it is that the first two acts are cool and everyone's like what the fuck happens in that third act and i'm the same with you where i'm like i think that's I'm, i think that's such an interesting choice this was one that i really wanted to revisit because i only i've only seen it once and it was in the theater and i liked it in the theater um yeah but i have a feeling that this movie is going to kind of creep up on my list a little bit over the years like you talk to me like next year after i watch it again and it might be a little higher because there's like mm -hmm. so much good stuff in this movie like samuel jackson is great in this it's probably the last incredible like, it's yeah. probably the last good bruce willis performance giving yeah given his like health issues yeah. um yeah like james mcavoy is great and again sarah paulson is really good in it as well uh the one thing like Annie taylor joy is just kind of there in this movie like yeah. she feels very tacked on um so that's kind of a thing against it but um yeah I, I i love the weird structure of it like the first act is kind of like get the gang back together and then the second act is like let's just have a chat in a in a weird weirdly pink room and then mm -hmm. the third act is like a weird fight on a lawn and then bruce willis dies yeah the parking <laughs> lot like the parking <laughs> lot of the mental institution yeah it's so great yeah <laughs> i just you know like when i look back at unbreakable and we'll talk about it later but like this entire i guess stretch of movies it's kind of like subverting what we think of all superhero movies. And I think people kind of go into the, like these kind of movies with getting that third act catharsis. Um, mm -hmm. And it certainly feels like it's building that, but the fact that like, like, you know, like the, his aversion to water is like greatly set up and like an unbreakable and like kind of carrying that forward where like, you know, like there aren't really no heroes in this world. I think that's kind of like one of the more cynical like endings to the end nights ever made honestly like it's kind yeah. of like the one like break in his filmography where it's not super hopeful i guess knock of the cabin is that way too i, I think i, I feel similarly mm -hmm. about that where it kind of leaves you feeling um a little more unsure about how to feel but yeah i think it was a really interesting choice like i think with i kind of agree where it kind of just sort of ends at the end and probably it was kind of like straining against its budget you know because yeah. we're, we're deep in him just self-financing all of his movies at this point in his career which as a side note, I really love and I think it's cool that he's just kind of betting yeah. on himself every time and winning. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it was a very interesting idea for a movie um, that like kind of create, create, like bring this all together. And you thought you were going to get this grousing, like feel good, maybe not feel good, but like this satisfying ending. And it's kind of just like, nope, that's not what happens in this universe. You know, like we kind of yeah. move on and like there's these dark, nefarious groups that continue on and kind of can do whatever they do in the shadows from there and then we move on to whatever that like comes to a head from there so who knows maybe he comes back to this at some point I mean, like glass gets glass we, we all agree that glass is good now after like we've done with like the village and the happening <laughs> and like in 15 years he makes another one of these and anya taylor joy is the biggest superstar in the world and we make it that way who knows but um i'm with you on this movie i think this movie is cool uh definitely underrated um and yep. what I kind of want to return to a lot from here on out. But yeah, 
that's number seven. I feel like we're kind of we're getting seven. in the top. We're getting in the top half here. So we're got six now, and I feel like this is really tough. And we're gonna have probably gonna start kind of conceding a lot. So we've talked about before. I have the village at seven. I'm not gonna do that to you. I'm not gonna make it go to six here. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna put old here as our number six movie. How I'm you fine about? with that. Okay, let's do it. I'm cool with it. Let's do old at six. Um, yeah, old is yeah came out. What is that? Two years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic. One of the first movies to kind of do really well again. Um, this movie is just fun. I really love it. The ending is super bizarre and really, really weird. Um, it's another one of the, his where it's like the ending. I guess kind of makes sense where you're like this was all like a big pharma thing. Like it's like, it's like, there's like a parent, like there's a through line of paranoia in all of his movies where like, there's bigger, there are bigger forces at play that are kind of messing with our lives. And that kind of plays into that, but it's so weird because it's just like this bad shit movie where things are just happening on a beach. And then all of a sudden there's a guy in like a lab who was like, let me tell you what's happening here, (laughs) audience. (laughs) And then the movie ends and it's just, it's very weird. But if old was like, a 60 minute movie that was just on the beach. Like you can probably, there's probably an edit somewhere that someone's done where they just cut to them going to the beach and they cut to like when they're like trying to leave the beach at the end, they're swimming. And that movie is like a perfect movie to me. I love that stretch mm-hmm. of old, like everything that happens on the beach, I think is incredible. And I love incredible. that. Yeah. I think it's just like him just like filming the absolute shit of this. Like what we mentioned at the beginning of this, where he's just like, focusing on weird things as like these characters fall in and out of time i think it's really fun and i think all the actors are kind of like this is another one where people are like why are they talking like that uh, in this movie and it's like to me it was like so clear that like all these actors like they're rapidly aging so quickly that they're talking as they're, they're different different age ranges mm-hmm. at all time and it's throwing them off and like that immediately clicked for me I don't know, and maybe it didn't for a lot of other people but like i was like i'm in like this is no great. it's awesome yeah and it's I, it dials up the creep factor too i think i think so too like i was yeah. just so unsettled the whole time because you have just like people acting like babies when they're 25 and then all of a sudden they, they're talking like old people and then jaron really wants you to know that his name's jaron and you're like what what is happening <laughs> you know like i and then what's her face gets split into a pretzel and it's really gross yeah uh it just i yeah i think everything that happens on the beach in this movie i think is just like incredible like incredible stuff same yeah we're both old heads i'm happy (laughs) about this i love it uh yeah no this movie is a blast like there are people who violently hate this movie like i saw some tweet uh the other day of some like uh film youtuber i think who was complaining about how the movie's shot um and i just like i can't imagine thinking anything other than that this visual style that he brings to the beach in this movie is incredible like it's it's amazing and it's so well executed like all basically every single moment that takes place on the beach uh you have like this the incredible scene where the girl like gets pregnant and then oh it's has so the good baby. it's it's so freaking awesome like it's it, incredible like i i feel like this is m night working really like at the height of his powers when 
when we're on the beach like you said yeah and then everything outside the beach it's like it's fine i wouldn't call it like terrible like i'm i'm not like upset with it like the twist it kind of feels like okay yeah it had to be there if, even though i do wish it could have just been like some weird beach that turns people old like that would have been yeah. more fun and interesting to me but uh yeah like the performances as well i think in this movie are actually underrated like uh you have vicky crepes i yep. think is yeah she's she's great in this movie like i genuinely think she gives a good performance yeah, i think like, so too the the dialogue like some m night movies does feel a little bit stilted but when you're looking at the type of movie that this is it's like kind of like the b movie kind of kind of trying to be a little more corny and fun and exploitative to some degrees i think it totally works like this this feels like a a great blend of of like m night's sensibilities as a writer and as a director yeah and i think like the fact that these like people's bodies are like totally rejecting them in every moment. I think it just makes sense for everybody to just be acting weird all the time. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I think I saw the exact same tweet as you. It's tough podcasting when you're like, Hey, I saw that tweet that one time. Here's what I think about it. Um, but it's just like, I think that when people say like, why this, why is this movie shot this, shot this way? I think that's just such like an indictment of like how little, directors are like trying or like like trying to invent yeah like cinematic language in like modern movies so i think we've just been so like like i think modern movie making i mean it's just like marvel movies are just like in front of a seat like a cgi like blue screen or whatever and then like they just like shoot here camera here and they move from there like there's no like there's no yeah. inventiveness in, in there's any no of that. artistry yeah yeah it's like yeah the, people don't know what empty space is i guess like it's it just doesn't make any yeah, sense like, I, I just love how he's just trying different stuff here and you got yeah dude just, it's i just so i awesome. love it and shout out to mid-sized sedan love that guy um aaron pierre just fantastic <laughs> <laughs> um and just another one like he just always gets great casts for all of his movies i mean you know he worked with he works with a lot of the people like many times throughout his career but here you know just like a really good international cast of people gail garcia bernal yep. i think is really good in this movie too he's so Tom, great thomas mckenzie rufus sewell alex wolf and you have eliza scanlon in there as yep. well like it just i think they're all game they all know exactly what they're doing i, I i'm just so on board for it i love i really love this movie um same but yeah let's that's that's our number six before we get to the top five should we kind of give a quick recap of where we are so far yeah please that'll be great okay. so at number 14 we have the last airbender at 13 we have wide awake at 12 we have after earth at 11 we have spencer's favorite movie lady in the water at 10 <laughs> we have the happening nine split eight knock at the cabin seven glass and six old i think it's pretty good i'm pretty yeah. on board with that no no big fights so far i think we're about to have some um but i think we're doing good so far but let's go to you what do you think should be five here okay here's where i'm gonna dip my toe in the water <laughs> i think number five should be unbreakable that's incorrect no okay we're not we're right. not doing it <laughs> okay then i think number five should be the visit i'm okay with that that's my four i'm fine with the visit oh, okay well then let me let me try again let me try one more thing then. 
I think number five should be The Sixth Sense. <laughs> I love it. That's bold. Would people hate Like, what would people do if we put this at five? Would they, like, hate us? <laughs> uh, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it at five. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. It was All my right, three, cool. but I feel more passionate, weirdly, about The Visit. Maybe that's because I watched it more i i didn't get a chance i didn't get a chance to revisit the sixth sense so i'm curious if like i've revisited it pretty recently okay so i'll 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 go with you on this one so we'll do we'll do the sixth sense at five i love this anarchy okay yeah so here is what i'll say yeah people are probably upset if anyone's listening to this but the Sixth Sense is a great movie, right? It is a great movie. And um, on top of it uh, being a great movie, like, I would argue it's great without the twist at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Just because the performances are so great. Like, Tony Collette, I feel like even though awesome. people seem to be, yeah, noticing your performance more in this movie, I still think it's an underrated performance. Uh, you have Haley Joel Osment giving one of the best child performances ever yep. in any movie. Um, you have Bruce Willis uh, giving a great performance, I would argue. I would say this is my favorite M. Night Bruce Willis performance. Um, I think he's genuinely fantastic in this yeah. movie. Um, I think that... The reason why I put this one below the visit, um, personally, uh, even though it's like I, I would say that this is like probably you know technically speaking a better movie, is the sure. visit was like is such a surprise of a movie, and mm-hmm. it's like it. I just I would rather revisit the visit than um revisit the sixth sense just because, I uh, I feel like. The Sixth Sense has been, it's its kind of one of those ones that's unimpeachable uh, because it's so, the script of it is so good. Um, but I do think that it's kind of been uh, oversaturated in like popular culture. And that's Definitely. like no fault of the movie. It's more just, you know, my problem being like a, a consumer of popular culture. Um, so this was like the... I think this was the second M. Night Shyamalan movie I saw, but um, I like vividly remember this memory. I was probably like four or five years old. And um, my parents, they would always watch movies like downstairs after me and my sisters went to bed that were mm-hmm. um, that were like not appropriate for us. And I'd always <laughs> like sneak out of my bed. Like I'd have to wait till my sisters were asleep to like sneak past their rooms. Uh, but I went and I remember I like put my head through like the banister and I was watching the sixth sense while my parents were watching it. And it got <laughs> to the scene where the girl is like vomiting up gray, like under the under the yeah. blanket. And I remember I just like started screaming and I got in huge <laughs> trouble. And the, after that, like my mom would like check to make sure that I wasn't like there like periodically throughout the movie. So I I ruined my I ruined my con. Um, so this would be <laughs> what I'm trying to say with that is it like has imagery like that is genuinely terrifying, like scary on like a primal level, especially when you're viewing it through the eyes of this child in the movie. Um, and 
I think that the drama, like the inner personal drama in this movie is really compelling, really, really well written. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Like he he directed the shit out of it. He wrote the shit out of it. The actors acted the shit out of it. You have that great final scene between Tony Collette and uh, and Haley Joel Osment. Um, after my parents got divorced, like I, you know, had a single mom for the rest of my my youth and my into adulthood and i like don't have a relationship with my dad at all so all that stuff really hits for me and works really well um yeah great movie what do you think (laughs) great movie there's four better um yeah i it's definitely one that i haven't seen in a while and i'm kind of with you where it's like it is so in the public consciousness that i kind of feel like i'm like like rating it lower as a result um it is one of those where I haven't seen it a bunch of times, but it doesn't quite have the same magic when you kind of know the twist the same way, th- the same way through as as you do when you first time you saw it. It is kind of one of those like awesome first watches and one of those movies you kind of wish you could forget to watch for the first time again. Yeah. Um, but I just don't. It's not really one I'm like going back to a lot or that I'm thinking about. Um, and I wonder if that's like maybe a fault of like the twist being so like so crazy that that's kind of all like it kind of drowns out all of like the subtler moments about the movie um but yeah i feel like it's kind of it's like it's maybe like yeah like one of the most iconic twists ever and it's still staggering to me that this movie made like as much money as it did for it just kind of being like it just being like a pretty like somber drama for most of it and it has obviously Mm -hmm. the twist at the end of it um yeah, I'm kind of with you where it's kind of like I don't really f- have much of an attachment to it. Or maybe you do because you have your childhood memories that scar you. <laughs> um, but I don't really have much of attach- attachment to it. It's kind of a movie that I, I think is impressive and that I, I like. I kind of applaud, but I don't really... I don't have a love for it at all. I'm pretty cold to it in a lot of ways. Maybe that's just personal preference because I can't really like pinpoint anything in the movie that has me feeling like that like negative about it except for maybe the whole thing with the twist but um yeah it's kind of one of those where it's people have talked it to death what else can we really say you know it's kind of more fun to lift up these other movies yeah no yeah. for sure so it's like nobody's gonna like listen to this podcast and discover the sixth sense you know yeah, what i mean like exactly like, yeah. so like, i'd way rather put up the visit over it so yeah i agree so let's do that at five. So number four, is this where we do the visit? Are we comfortable with that? I, I th- yeah, I, I, okay. I think there's no other choice. I think that's I think that works. That's that's my number four. Where was it on your list? Uh, it was my number four as well. Okay, perfect. So that's yeah. that's perfect that it's here. Yeah. So <laughs> the visit. This was, I guess, his big comeback. His self financed a mockumentary of sorts found footage movie where he, if you look at the behind the scenes of this movie, he has like an entire film rig, which is really funny. Um, this movie is just, I love it. Like, it's just like the closest he's come to making an exploitation movie. And it's just, I just think it's so good. Um, I just love it so, so much. It's what is it? 85 minutes long. Um, it's him, I think, definitely poking a lot of fun at his persona as a filmmaker through the the sister character, kind of where she's like, oh, I hate that sappy crap, or like, all that thing about like, that stuff about, mm-hmm. like, kind of like, there's a lot of things that 
he's knowingly reflecting on upon his about his career through that character i think is really funny um but man those old people are weird like they're just like they're creepy like (laughs) and i almost kind of respect it in a way like we talk about split about kind of playing fast and loose with mental illness I almost kind of respect about how far this movie pushes. Like, it really does feel like it's an exploitation <laughs> movie where it's like, yes, it's like, we're not going to empathize with these people. I mean, we, we do a little bit, but like, they're just crazy. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have fun with that. Um, this is another movie. One of those where I'm shocked it's a PG 13 movie because there's just like, you know, there's yeah. a, di- there's a diaper full of shit that goes into somebody's face. <laughs> um, probably the best scene in the entire movie, honestly. Yeah. Seriously. That whole scene is, I was, like, cackling when I first (laughs) saw this movie. There's so many times that I cackled watching this. And I think it's... We talk a lot about, like, the framing and the blocking of M. Night. And I think the found footage... I think a lot of people were, like... Like, kind of, like, stripped him of his ability to do that. And I'm, like, I totally disagree. Where it's... I think he's having so much more fun in in an entirely different way of being, like... How can we lock this down? It's, like, the... It's, like, the opposite. Where it's the abs... Like, the absence of camera movement is what makes this movie really creepy in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like you have that one scene where they hide the camera on like on like the ledge and then the grandma figures it out at night and she just like walks towards it and like does like the jump scare and it's just really creepy and she's really creepy in it um i just i really like kind of there's like a lot of artistry in how he's like created this found footage movie and yeah the the old people they're just fucking weird Really great performances. <laughs> um, I gotta look at their names because yeah. they're so good. Um, so it's what are the, what are their names? It's Dina Dunnigan and Peter McRobbie. Never seen those people, mm-hmm. and they're really creepy in, in this movie. Um, Catherine Hahn is a national treasure, and she's in this movie. Um, and I feel like. I think I saw the twist coming. So like the twist of them yeah. not actually being the grandparents. I think I, I probably could have guessed it, but I was just so shocked that they did it, that I just started cackling. Like it was just so yeah. much, it was so much fun to be like, Oh, I can't believe they did this. This is great. Um, yeah, this was a, this was a first time watch for me for this. And this was, I oh. just had so much fun. I loved it. The rapping didn't bother me. I thought it was funny. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that either. <laughs> well, I think it works. Like the thing I like with it M. works Knight, as a quirk for the character. I would say for sure. Yeah, I think with M Knight, he's okay with people being goofy and weird in a lot of ways, and I think people take that as like, oh, that's weird, or like that's a demerit against the movie. But like, I don't know. Like it's just like the sheltered white kid who's into rap. Like I feel like it. It makes sense as a character where he's like. He has no idea what's going on. He's just like this sheltered, slightly privileged, privileged little little boy that has no sense of anything in the world. I think that it makes sense as a character to me. Yeah. Um, so I like it, and I kind of laugh at it, and it's like a, this is so stupid kind of way with his rapping. Um, so it's just this movie's just the, the banger. I love it. The scene underneath the in the foundation of the house is really creepy. It's so I, it's scary. so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. The creepiest thing. Bring that up creepiest thing he's maybe ever done in his yes. career it's just like it's horrifying i hate i hated watching it but i also yeah. loved it <laughs> yeah i think that this so interestingly enough i'm gonna actually kind of compare this to the sixth sense in a way um 
I think what makes this movie like genuinely unsettling and scary is that both these movies are told through the eyes of children, like, yeah. you know, experiencing these horrifying things taking place. Um, and it's like, yeah, the twist is like easy to log and kind of see coming. But I think that the the like escalation of getting there is so well executed in this movie um they dial up the creep factor in really like interesting like and fun and unsettling ways there's like imagery in this movie that's really really scary like actually scary to me yeah i agree with you i don't know how this got away with the pg-13 uh just because it does feel like full-blown exploitation film uh especially in like the last 30 minutes of the movie um and i agree with you as well that i don't have the same complaint with this movie as i do with split um even though i probably should just because (laughs) it feels like we're in like a different league of movie like this feels more like M. Night Shyamalan in kind of B-movie territory yeah. than, uh, than something like Split that feels much more, you know, like, handsomely made, I suppose. Yeah, and it has definitely less self-serious. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, this movie's a blast. It's so much fun. And I, yeah, I feel like this one, it's it's underrated in his new wave of movies for me like i i personally like glass the best uh that was kind of established but this movie i feel like is in that like league of top tier Shyamalan for me i think it's awesome so i'm totally with you on this one it's great yeah it's just there's so many like it's the thing with like Shyamalan where like his little touches where you know like the the pop-ops cleaning the gun and he's like oh i was just cleaning it or like he was like it was about to shoot himself in the face no i'm just just cleaning it don't nothing (laughs) nothing to see here (laughs) and it's just like it's just so weird and like uh the the like nana constantly asking the girl to like clean get in the oven and clean it it's just it's just so good and bizarre it's like one of the few times where the bizarreness of his dialogue i think just really just makes your skin crawl like it's just it's just utilized in the best way and i think it's like so knowingly utilized as well like i think like this is like you can read so much into this being like well this is his return to filmmaking you know self-finance betting on himself and kind of maybe getting knocked down a few pegs as like this like once golden child and now like trying to make his return and you can read into it that way but i just think he's like just so like calm and collected and self-knowing about what he wants this movie to be and i just love it and i think there's so many little fun things about like making fun of filmmaking in this movie about self-serious directors that I think is fun. Yeah. Um, There's a self-awareness in this movie. That's really fun for sure. It's kind of amazing that this movie works. I just, I really love it. I thought it was such a fun discovery seeing it. Um, And it's kind of another good, probably another good slumber party movie in the future. I think it's just really, really fun and goofy. I love it, but we'll move on. So we're in the top three now. So Mm -hmm. to recap, we have the village and unbreakable and then we have signs so there's two there that i feel like we both have to kind of bargain a lot with i what i what i suggest we do is um the movie that neither of us have as our number one should be our number one that's kind of what i'm thinking because i i kind of i kind of also love that movie so um yeah okay so you threw me 
a bone earlier on. With, uh, <laughs> this was the plan all along. With Lady in the Water. So <laughs> I am going to go ahead and nominate my number one movie, The Village. It's number three. So where was... So that was seven on my list. Where was Unbreakable on your list? I think Unbreakable was my number seven as well. Okay, so we couldn't we yeah. couldn't even do it that way. All right, well, then I'm fine yeah. with The Village at three. I think that works. Yeah, yeah. I, Unbreakable was either... I've been deleting them as we go, uh, but Unbreakable was either my number seven or eight. Yeah, um, all right. So why don't you we'll wax poetic about The Village? This is your, this is your child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've... I hate to be this guy, but I've loved the village since the first time I saw it. Like this is another movie that I had like a fascination with as a kid. Um, I've always been like a fan of like monster movies, um, which I know that this kind of technically isn't a monster movie, but the big question surrounding the movie through its marketing was like, oh, what are the monsters going to be in this movie? Yeah. And so there was like an intrigue that I had uh, throughout the the marketing process of this movie. And I remember like knowing that it was the filmmaker who made um, the, you know, Signs and The Sixth Sense, which were two movies that I like absolutely loved as a younger person. And so uh, especially one of those that we'll get to. Um, but yeah, this, this movie, like I saw it and I, thought it was great i thought it was scary as a kid and then as i've grown older i've like only grown to appreciate it more um you have like roger deakins uh yeah this movie looks incredible yeah yeah, pairing up with m night um the setting of this movie is so well executed like you really feel this sense of like isolation in this community as well um the the colors of the movie really work for me like the way that Mm -hmm. yellow is this color of safety and red is the color of those we do not speak of and it's the forbidding color um and yeah the characters the romance everything about this movie works for me the score is incredible uh you have like william hurt in this incredible kind of silent antagonistic performance he's awesome in this uh, movie he's amazing. he's great in the movie yeah yeah he's so good and i think bryce dallas howard um is great in the movie too like i i i love the the third act of this movie where it's like this blind woman venturing off into like the unknown like both literally and figuratively because yeah. like she literally can't see uh and like you can argue as well um, that the this is a movie that makes like mental illness frightening. Once again, it like brings up that that big issue that a lot of people have with um, M Night Shyamalan. Uh, but I don't know what it is about Adrian Brody's performance in this movie. It just really works for me. Like it feels like off-putting and unsettling in a way like especially once you get to the end of the movie and there's like the big reveal that takes place um yeah and the the cast of this movie there's like always faces that pop up in it that i'm like oh my god i forgot they were in this movie like uh judy greer is in this movie. jesse eisenberg for a little bit too yeah jesse eisenberg is in like one scene it's amazing and yeah there's there's 
sequences in this movie that are the best that M. Night has ever directed, in, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Incredible. I'm definitely, obviously, I'm, I'm a little more mixed of the two of us. Uh, the one thing that does not work for me is Adrian Brody. I, I don't know what he's <laughs> doing. It. He's It does not work for me whatsoever. But I agree with you where I think there is a lot of really good stuff in this movie. Um, especially William Hurt. I just thought this was the first time I'd seen this movie in a while. And I thought he was an absolute knockout. Like he was just so good. Um, and Joaquin is, gives like a really like warm and loving performance as well. Um, and I think this is the best Bryce Dallas Howard has ever been. Like, this is like the one time where I've been like, she's Oh, so I, I get it. Like, I don't really connect with her for whatever reason as an actress, but I think she's incredible here. I think she's really, really good. Um, you have Brian Gleason as well, just in there in the side, in the yeah. side role. Like there's so it's many great. great performers. And like you said, with Roger Deakins, this movie looks great. Uh, I think the Incredible. the ending works for me a lot more than I think it does work for a lot of people. Um, I think it's like slightly clunky, and I think a lot of that clunkiness comes from I also see Adrian Brody as kind of just like a plot machine, like it's just kind of like moving the plot forward as like the one through line through that. Um, but and and kind of what I was mentioning before about a lot of his movies kind of reacting to like nine eleven paranoia. I think this is like so clearly like a a movie about people being like nervous to kind of be be out in the open and present themselves to other people that they kind of like shelter themselves and create their own tribe. Um, And I was so interesting because from what I remember, like I, I remembered like the, I guess the, the elders being a lot more sinister. And I guess there is something to that with, with everything that's going on, but it's kind of like knock at the cabin. It's like a lot more like loving to these people. Like it sees what they're doing as like, it tries to provide empathy for like this crazy, like social experiment that this guy has made. And it tries to provide like this warm, like understanding of like, you know, these people are terrified of the world and all like the horrible stuff that's happened in it. Um, yep. and this is a reaction to that and kind of like it creates, it's like the fallout of like exploring that kind of, I guess, mental space. And I think that's, it's definitely like more interesting than people give it credit for. I think if people are like think it's like oh it's just stupid because it's the the like present day or whatever. But I think there's, I do think there's a lot more there. Um, there's there there. Yeah, I guess, it's a really compelling love story. Like yeah. I think the love story is great at the center of it. So yeah, and it looks totally... great, and it's also like just like it's like 105 minutes. You know, like I think. Yeah. If this movie's made now, it's a Netflix movie. It's two hours and twenty minutes. It's an it's an absolute slog to get through. You know, yeah. it just he never overstays his welcome. He really I doesn't. Think. Yeah. I think that's like one of his best qualities. Like you know, him yeah. as also like a visual filmmaker, but he's like he tells a story and he gets out. And I think that's, I think the the more you stay in this world, you probably want to ask more questions about like wait, like why is this happening? <laughs> like how has nobody yeah. discovered this? Like. Like, it just, you just, like, can't wrap your head around it the more you think about it. But um, I think it's really well created. I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely been, at this point, kind of been revived as, like, a great movie of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really good. I think there's a lot of stuff in it that I really like. Um, but, yeah, let's move on to our number two, which, if we're on the same page here, I think the number two should be Unbreakable, if yeah. I have that correct. Um, yeah, I love Unbreakable. So Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie so much. Um, oh, wow. I think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. Um, I just, I really love it. I think there was some stat that I read 
I can't remember where, but like the like the amount of like like the length that a scene plays out in modern movies is like only a couple seconds. Like it's very like there's a lot of cuts and a lot of edits. And this movie it really it like it plays like each scene is like 30 seconds long. Like he just like this movie just like plays. Like he just lets characters just like relax and talk to each other, lets the scene like speak for itself and maybe he'll dolly in or do all this stuff. But that kind of like relaxed like somber mood I think really what works for this movie really well and I think puts it in the right headspace for what he's trying to get at with this movie because I think ultimately like there's like a fun like you like you want to cheer when like he like chokes out like the the rapist and at the end and you're like that's awesome and like the the James the James Newton Howard score score is going crazy and you're like this is the best um but like ultimately I think this is like one of the best movies about heroism like like you watch like every MCU movie and it's just like people punching each other and like looking for infinity stones and it's just it's really just <laughs> nonsense to me at this point um can't say I'll be interested in doing a quantum mania podcast <laughs> anytime soon um but I think this is one of the few movies that actually understands like heroism and like because like this is such a stripped down superhero movie it connects like like super like superman like saving the day to like a like a being a good dad you know like this movie like a bit like the real heroes are people who are just like good dads and good partners to like their loved ones and i think that's ultimately kind of like the heartbeat of this movie and the scene at the end where bruce willis is kind of just like gives the paper to his son and they don't say like a word of dialogue is like one of my favorite scenes in a movie i just it just really like it makes me tear up every single time it's so good um, yeah, I just think this movie is just, it has its heart in the right place. I think it's, it truly is like one of the only superhero movies to kind of understand what a hero is. And I think it's, it's really good. And it kind of, you know, it, it's like riffing off of a superhero genre that wasn't even created yet, which is so fascinating too. Like he was so ahead of the curb with this movie that people looked at it and they were like, huh, that's kind of weird. Or like they didn't quite latch onto it, but obviously now it's like, it's like a beacon of light in terms of like all the superhero movies we get. Um, so yeah, love this movie. It's really great. It just, everything works for it for me, except for the ending. The ending's a little weird where it's like the, the, t- the cards where it's like, they took him to jail. I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. weird. That's kind of weird, but everything else, every other <laughs> second in this movie, I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like this movie, right? Like I think that unbreakable, is a movie that is like you said it's very ahead of its time super interesting visually no complaints like it totally um like all m night Shyamalan movies technically is pretty brilliant uh bruce willis is good in the movie i like him in it samuel jackson is great in the movie um Mm -hmm. every time he's on screen i'm like totally loving the movie uh and i find this movie kind of boring like i i (laughs) i get what you just said about like oh the scenes kind of like take their time um all that but to me the movie feels flat in a way that it doesn't emotionally connect with me the way that it does for you uh and the way that other great m night Shyamalan movies um do for do for me uh one we're about to talk about um it could be you know like like i said earlier i 
uh, was raised by like a single mom. I don't have a relationship with my dad. So maybe that type of connection just doesn't work as well for me, or I'm kind of more um, biased against it or something like even subconsciously. Uh, the kid's performance is great in this movie. I think he's like genuinely great. And it's mm-hmm. it was cool to see him come back for Glass. Yeah, that was a fun um, little thing because he hadn't really acted yeah. since then, right? I think like yeah, yeah. It, it it was really cool to see him pop up in that movie. But yeah, there's I don't know what I like. It's been hard to put my finger on um, what what it is about this movie that doesn't really connect with me. Um, just because I uh, this is a movie that I like want to love because the people who love it, like think it's like you said, one of their favorite movies, it's like the greatest thing ever. And so many people put this at the top of M night Shyamalan's filmography that like I've seen or uh, heard in like rankings prior to this. And uh, so it's just like, I don't know what it is. There's just something about this movie that, like I said, it feels slow to me in a way that his other movies don't like, it doesn't feel perfectly paced like some of his does for do for me sure um yeah i don't know man yeah i like it but i just don't i don't I, i'm not over the moon for it like well, you're missing you're are. missing out that's all i gotta say no i i just yeah. i just think this movie is just i love sad bruce willis like sad bruce willis i think is like the best like he is so good at that kind of stoic um yep. depression um, and like this movie is just kind of like, let's look at his face for 30 seconds. And it's just like, I think, I think there's like with M night, like he's still doing like a lot of different like camera moves. I think like in a lot of those slower moments, I still get like a lot of like, I guess, emotional resonance that I think just really connects with me. I don't know. I just, the two scenes where he's benching and his kid keeps putting on more weight. I love that scene. And the scene at the end with the newspaper, it's I think the cool it's just, scene. yeah, it's just, I think both of those scenes are like two of my favorites and, um, they're just filmed really well. And yeah, just great movie. I love it. Sorry. You, I sorry. Will you say, don't, <laughs> I will say about the benching scene. I'm surprised he's never tried to bench like <laughs> weights before. It yeah. seems like, like a, but no, it's an awesome scene, just like visually. And I agree with you. M. Night Shyamalan is really good at tapping into like the melancholy Bruce Willis uh, mm-hmm. that I think filmmakers who don't use him well are not able to get that out of him like at all. So it's like yeah. Wes Anderson did that with like Moonrise Kingdom as well. So it's yeah, it's when people are able to get good performances out of Bruce Willis, he's like incredible. He's a great actor. Yeah. That's how I feel where it's like when he's good, like it's just like, I'm so here for it. It's just really yep. good. Um, but yeah, that's our number two. So that means that by default, our number one is signs, which I feel good about signs was my two on my list. Um, Same. So I feel like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's democracy. We, we don't get, neither of us get our pick <laughs> as the winner. Yeah, we don't you know? get what we want, but. <laughs> we all have yeah. to compromise, I guess. Um, yeah, Signs is our number one. I think works. I think this movie is really good. I think it's, I think it's the, the, like, the combination of like all the things with M. Night where it's like, it's super corny um, and heartfelt and also like pretty spooky at times and also pretty goofy at other times it is like a weird blend of like like this is another one if they made this movie now it's very self-serious like there's no jokes in the entire movie um it's like 
and it's a Netflix movie again it's like th- it's like half an hour longer like it just like doesn't have the personality that, that this movie does um Joaquin just... Phoenix is playing the Mel Gibson character <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and it's like he never smiles the entire time and yeah there's something about like this movie being like about this family um this very sheltered family again where they've kind of sheltered themselves away from the world a little bit um the fact that it like allows itself to breathe and like be goofy like you walk in on Joaquin and the kids having the tinfoil hats on. Um, mm-hmm. And this movie is like very knowingly like that's like a goofy thing. And but like it allows like this family unit to actually feel like one because like, you know, like a regular family, like if they have like this apocalyptic event, they're still going to kind of have their fun little peculiar peculiarities and be goofy and kind of act as they normally do in a lot of different ways, even if they're very fearful. Um, so, yeah, it just it really it really works. It's like. Mel is a horrible human being, but he is absolutely incredible in this movie. So like, he's he's like Oscar nomination worthy in my yeah. Opinion. Like I like I rewatched this for for like this podcast, and I thought like he just like knocked my win out of me. Like I thought he was like he he, he taps into a similar thing that um, Shyamalan does with Bruce Willis, where it's like the it's like the the white dude who's really sad, the middle aged white yeah. sad sad dude, and he just yep. he kills it. Like he is really good. Like it just like he, when he's talking to his wife, like normally like I don't like that kind of stuff in movies, but here just like really like it really, really works and hits you like a ton of bricks. Like it just like all the emotional things work for me in this movie somehow. It just it's really it's really great. So you mentioned the like newspaper scene in Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. That's like how I feel about the dinner scene in this. Oh, movie. it's really like the good. Climactic dinner scene. Yeah. And it's like, uh, this is a movie that, yeah, I kind of hinted at this at the, the beginning of the podcast, but like when I was in like elementary school, this movie, when it came out, it was like the talk of the town from people who saw it because they're like, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And, you know, it's like, I'm this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I'm seven years old. You know, it's like the that type of thing. Yeah. But I remember, yeah, it's like I saw this movie like after my parents got divorced, we relocated to like a different town and um, I had a friend who he had a projector in his house and there was like a summer where we would watch this movie like literally every weekend on the projector. (laughs) And I just remember like we were obsessed with this, this movie. And so I have like a, a nostalgia for this movie that really, um, really holds even, uh, to today with how I feel about the movie. But on top of that, I think it's a really, um, well-made great film with great characters uh it's it's genuinely funny at points like you said uh the characters feel well defined and they feel interesting their dynamics feel realistic it feels like an actual family yeah um like uh mel gibson gives maybe my favorite performance i've seen him give in anything yeah. like i love the mad max movies but this is like a different level of good in the movie um and yeah, like people have complained about the ending and I can kind of understand those complaints because if you think about things more logically, it's kind of silly ending. But um, the I feel like when you say that, you're kind of 
missing what the movie is trying to say um which is you know there are no coincidences like fate is a huge uh thing yeah. that exists in, in this movie and um i only have one complaint about this movie and it's literally the final shot i think is unnecessary like it the scene on the lawn i feel like really caps off the story in a good way you're like oh this man lost his faith he regained his faith throughout the course yeah. of the movie and then the ending's like just in case you didn't get that <laughs> here's him in his um preacher outfit or whatever and so that i'm kind of like uh we didn't need that but everything else there are scenes in this movie that are like so well executed you have the scene with like the leg in the cornfield yeah. the scene where the aliens on the roof um the mm -hmm. scene with the hand under the door there's so many awesome set pieces even like smaller scenes where the with the baby monitor on top of the car like i think all of that is so well executed so i love this movie i'm perfectly happy with this being the number one m night Shyamalan movie definitive number yeah, one. yeah i feel good about this too yeah rory culkin and abigail breslin are like the Correct. cutest the, the cutest kids in this movie like yep. again like him just working with kids and just making like tearing your heart out with it um yeah it just there are just like so many little things and like the reveal of the alien and like the in the footage is just like so awesome. good it's so yeah. good and yeah it just like like such when, a good reaction shot too yeah seriously and like like with people calling him like the next spielberg or whatever like you watch this movie you're like oh i get it like yeah. this is spielberg yeah, it makes sense. Like, it's yeah. complete spielberg um and it's just i don't know like i just find like i feel so hopeful <laughs> after watching this movie which is like yeah i wouldn't call myself a cynic but when, when it comes to movies i'm like i protect myself a lot and i'm like you're not gonna yeah. make me cry movie a little bit like i'm very wary of like people like overly sentimental stuff um mm -hmm. but just like i don't know like this movie again is like as a post 9-11 allegory where it's like we're trying to figure out who the real monsters are and people are just like freaking out about everything and just it's like it's like two things where like the, he finds his faith again but it's also like just all of us finding faith in humanity which is just like really sweet and earnest like mm -hmm. it's like so goofy but also it really just it really works it works it yeah. really really works it's like a super optimistic view of like what we can do as like a, a species and i don't know like you just like look that you're like oh i feel great <laughs> like i'm i'm ready to go conquer the world i don't know it's just there's just a weird stew of like all these things typically don't work for me but it just works really well here i want to say one more thing that i noticed this time while watching signs and then i'm good I'll, I'll cap it off but um <laughs> i like as a kid you don't notice that the scene the scenes i guess where he's telling both kids like the story of when they're born like i realized watch it this time like he thinks they're gonna die like he's totally convinced that yeah. they're going to be killed in like the home invasion by the mm -hmm. aliens and it's like it's it's weird like because the the previous times where i watched this as a kid like i was viewing it through i feel like the eyes of the kids and then this time i'm more viewing it through the eyes of like the adult characters yeah. and it's just like it felt like i felt a loss of innocence while watching this movie <laughs> it's just like oh my gosh yeah, that's, like a, that's like a good thing where like a lot of his movies are about families and you can grow mm -hmm. with his movies because they're all there are all, all those different perspectives and like yeah yep. like 
I, I, I agree with the same way where I do look at it like from the adult characters now and you kind of do find a lot more in these movies. It's just, yeah, it's just terrific. I mean, the scene on the couch between Joaquin and Mel talking about oh, like the dude. kind of people that are in this world is just like, whew. so good. Like there's what like, so good. he's just like, this movie's great. I love it. I'm happy it's our number one. It's just re- really, really good. Um, but yeah, that kind of does it. Should we round out our list? Can I give a little recap here? Let's do it. So at number 14, we have The Last Airbender. 13, we have Wide Awake. 12, we have After Earth. At 11, we have Lady in the Water. 10 is The Happening. 9 is Split. 8, Knock at the Cabin. 7, Glass. 6, Old. 5, The Sixth Sense. 4, The Visit. 3, The Village. 2, Unbreakable and number one is Signs. I feel like that's a pretty good list. How do you feel about it? Any that's misgivings? That's a good list. That's a good list. Yeah. No. If I saw that, I'd be like, yeah, this is a good. This is a good ranking ranked list of of old M Night's filmography. So I'm proud of I'm us. Really happy with it. Yeah. We really, we did great. No fights. Kept it really civil. This is good. This is good <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> yeah. No, for well, sure. I I don't know how other people will feel about the list but I'm, I'm cool with it <laughs> yeah we'll throw this out and i'm sure get a lot of nasty tweets we'll figure it out but i believe in us to to wear, wear the storm and be all right yeah <laughs> but the visit any... is where <laughs> but any thoughts any overarching thoughts on m night before we got out of here we feel i feel like we talked him to death but i don't know if you have any other any overarching ideas about the guy I'm good. Don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of like whatever his next stage is. I feel like Knock at the Cabin is like the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And apparently he has like his next three movies lined out. And I'm like, just give it to me. I'm ready. I'm ready yep. to go. Keep I think, them coming, M. Night. Keep yeah. them coming. And we'll come back five years from now. Redo this list. <laughs> <laughs> With ten more movies in it. Um, Glass will get its due. Yeah, Glass will be our number one at that point. Yeah. Lady in the Water will be two. Um, The Sixth Sense will be at the bottom because we'll just be more bored with it. (laughs) But yeah, that about about does it for this time around. Uh, Spencer, thanks for joining me this time. This was really fun. Uh, But yeah, you can check out more stuff from Movie Babble at moviebabble.com. Search, us, search for us on socials. You'll, you can find us. Just search for Movie Babble. We'll be there. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll see you. <laughs>